Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events, a series of readings, performances, lectures, and discussions. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, go to foundation.spl.org. The podcast you are about to hear was recorded in 2010. Welcome to Seattle Biblio Cafe. Some librarians on a coffee break talking about books. Today we have Linda and Misha and Jen and myself. I'm David. So let me tell you what I've been reading. Uh, I just finished Citrus County by John Brandon. And I have to confess, I didn't think I was really going to like this book at first. And it's because I thought it was going to be a teen novel, which that doesn't really speak very well about me. But when I realized that the lead character was in junior high and he was kind of this disaffected teenager... And um, and he had a, a kind of an odd teacher, and there's a girl who's a little stuck on him. And I thought, okay, I can see where this is going. This kind of there's a bit of a deadpan Napoleon Dynamite feel to it. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a book about him finding his way in society and fitting in and and growing as a person. Which just for me as a reader didn't really catch me. Then <laughs> at the end of the first chapter, the the kid Toby does something so horrible. I'll say what it is because it's early in the book. He kidnaps the little sister of the girl who's stuck on him and and puts her in an underground bunker. Okay, And immediately I got interested because I didn't know what kind of book this was then. It wasn't a teen book. It wasn't from over in the mystery section. Whatever it was, I really didn't know what was going to happen next. And I, and I continued not to know what was going to happen next through the book to the very end. Um, absolutely riveting. I think the fact that there's a child kidnapped will drive some people away. Um, and just to those people who are afraid of what might happen in the end, I would say, don't worry. Don't tell the end. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the end. I just, I just don't want them to be too afraid of that. The other book I just read um, is Per Pedersen's new book. Uh, per Pedersen's a Norwegian writer. He's probably best known for Out Stealing Horses, which was his breakthrough book here in the States. And this is called I Curse the River of Time. And Pedersen's thing is language. Um, it's just a gorgeously written, very introspective book. Um, the facts on the surface of it are really depressing sounding. It's basically uh, a guy named Arvid whose mother has just been diagnosed with cancer. And she leaves Norway to go back to her where she grew up in Denmark. He is facing the death of his marriage. There's a divorce, impending divorce, and so he follows her to Denmark. And ostensibly, this takes place over a couple of days um, in Denmark. But really, it's it's back and forth in time as he thinks back on his past life and how he's become the sort of person he is, and how he's not become the sort of person he thought he might want to be. Um, it's it's really beautiful the way the author uses language. He's got this very spare kind of introspective stream of consciousness style that I think is kind of what Ernest Hemingway would have liked to have written like. And I'm a, and I'm a fan of Ernest Hemingway, so that's, you know, I think high, high praise. But uh, yeah, it's just a gorgeous book. I think it's, I have not read a lot of Proust, but I think it is accurate to say that it is Proustian um, because it's really a work of introspection and memory. And that's um, I Curse the River of Time by Per Pedersen. 
So kind of dark stuff is what I've been reading, but also compelling. Linda, what have you been reading? Excellent. Well, I recently read a book that I didn't think I ever would read because I'd seen the movie so many times as a kid. And I was in the mystery section of our library, and I came across a James Cain collection that had The Postman Always Rings Twice, Double Indemnity, and Mildred Pierce. And I remembered that Laura Lippman, who's one of my favorite mystery authors, had written an article for Slate magazine about Mildred Pierce and how much she loved Mildred Pierce. And she called the book The Unicorn of Crime Fiction, a noir novel with no, mur no murder and very little crime. Just quickly, um, maybe you saw the movie that was made in the 1940s with Joan Crawford. Um, this Mildred Pierce is, is different. For one thing, I think Joan Crawford was too old to have played Mildred Pierce. Mildred is a young mother in the 1930s in Glendale, California. She has two daughters, and she takes a job as a waitress. Her older daughter is mortified that she would take such a low-rent job. So to appease her, Mildred says, I'm just trying to learn the restaurant business so I can own my own place someday. Eventually, Mildred does own her own place. It's a chicken and waffle house, which I think is great in itself, and it's wildly successful, but every decision that Mildred makes in her life is based on what she, how she thinks her daughter will react to it. So every business decision she makes, her um, involvement with this playboy from Pasadena, it's all to please this monster daughter. And uh, it's a fascinating family dynamic, and there's tension throughout, but very little crime, and I just loved it. Who, who would you cast as Mildred Pierce? Oh, well, apparently I would cast Kate Winslet, because oh, okay. HBO is in uh, production oh, they do, oh, they oh. of a new Mildred <laughs> Pierce. I was, I was thinking this kind of dates me, but I was kind of thinking Ellen Barkin in her prime is sort of, because it's kind of this tough but not willowy. And, Ellen Barkin in, in, in her 20s or early 30s would have been a good Mildred Pierce. Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was... It's such a memorable role. Um, so I did read that sometime in the next year there will be an HBO miniseries with Kate Winslet as Mildred Pierce. So today I'm all about movies because the other book I want to talk about is also in production <laughs> as a movie. Um, it's One Day by David Nichols. And that one day is July 15th. And it begins July 15th, 1988. We meet Emma... Emma Morley and Dexter Mayhew and they've just graduated from the University of Edinburgh and they're together for one day and they part ways but then we meet up with them again every July 15th which is St. Swithin's Day so every July 15th for the for 20 years and they have this intense friendship sometimes sometimes love, sometimes animosity, but an, an intense connection. Uh, Emma is a wonderful character. She's this arty, intellectual, liberal girl. When Dexter first meets her, is first in her room, he's he knows that he'll find a photograph of Nelson Mandela and some Nina Simone records. And Dexter is a goofball, but he's really charming, and he eventually becomes famous as a television presenter. And I just, I loved this movie. I think all the hype about it is completely 
I mean, this book, which will make a great movie. I'm going to love the movie. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, uh, um, you know, it's going to get compared to When Harry Met Sally or um, uh, in the 70s there was Same Day Next Year with, Al- same, yeah, with Alan Alda. Um, but I think the story needs to be looked at on its own because uh, uh, David Nichols has wonderful observations and it's a very charming story and I loved it and there are tons of Brit pop references which I don't think I got many of them but I know Misha definitely (laughs) picked up on all the Brit pop stuff. Well, I read one day too, and like Linda, I really, really loved it. Um, and it, I, of course, loved all the pop stuff. It reminded me a little bit of a, a, another movie, um, Sliding Doors, because it's also just sort of about moments in your life that can change things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I think One Day is a really great book, and it's going to make a great movie. Um, so, the one of the books I read recently is called Little Boy Lost by Marganita Lasky. And before I talk about it, I just want to plug the press that reprinted it. It's an old book. came out in the 40s. And it was reprinted by a British publishing house called Persephone Books. And I'm just kind of a, a little groupie for them. Um, more and more of their books are coming out here in the United States. The library owns a few of them, and more of them um, will be coming. And they basically reprint neglected novels, diaries, short stories, and cookery books, mostly by women and mostly dating from the early to mid-20th century. That's their quote. <laughs> Um, but Little Boy Lost by Marganita Lasky. It's um, about uh, Hilary Wainwright. He's a poet and an intellectual. And his wife, who was part of the resistance, was killed by the Gestapo. And his son was lost during World War II. So like the book that David just talked about, it sounds like it's going to be this really grim book. Um, we meet Hilary on Christmas Day. Um, years, the year after the, the war has ended, and a man shows up on his doorstep saying that he's found his son. His son is now five years old, and Hillary hasn't seen him since he was a newborn. And he follows the man to an orphanage in France. And there he sees this malnourished young boy wanting to be loved. And that's when we realize also how emotionally shattered Hillary is, and that he wants to do his duty, but he's not sure he has anything to give. Um, it's one of those books that's surprisingly riveting and edgier seat reading. Um, you just want to know what he's going to do. Um, this is in the days before DNA. You know, there was no way for him to really know if it was his son, um, and so he has to weigh his options. And it's just a big, uh, huge leap that he has to take. And you know, what if he takes the wrong boy? What if he doesn't take the boy and he's his real son, and he only has one week to decide? It's a perfect book group book. It's short. It's 220 pages. It's poignant, and there's lots to talk about. And that's uh, Little Boy Lost by Marganita Lasky. And then the other books I've been reading recently are totally different from that one. And uh, I just have to plug them because I don't feel like very many people know about this series. Um, it's the Vampire Academy series by Rochelle Mead. So anybody who is a Twilight fan um, who's looking for a vampire series with more bite and kick would really like the Vampire Academy series. Um, it's a teen series like the Twilight series is, but I think adults would really love it too. And she writes books for adults as well. But what I like about it is that Mead really plunges you right into the action and right into the world that she is bringing you into. Um, her twist on the vampire um, story features two main characters, Rose and Lisa. 
Um, Rose is a dampier, which is a race born of human and vampire blood that um, are trained to protect the mortal vampires, the Moroi, as guardians from the vicious undead variety, the Strigoi. I know, it sounds ridiculous and it's so good. Okay, so Lisa is a Moroi and she's a royal. She's the, the last in her line after her family died and Rose is training to be her guardian or so she hopes. Um, they also have a special bond that most Dampier Moroi pairs don't have, but you're going to have to read the books to know what I'm talking about. Um, and let me just tell you about Rose. Um, Rose is a great character. She's a rule breaker and a risk taker. She's intelligent and strong-willed. She learns from her mistakes. She's also funny, and, and the voice that she's written in, just you keep reading the books and you look up and you think she's in the room with you. Um, there's also some great romantic intrigue. Rose is in love with her vampire trainer, Dimitri, um, and he's this brooding guy who's a bit of a mystery, and their love story gets pretty complicated. Um, but I'll leave it at that. Cool. Sounds like fun. How about you, Jen? What have you been reading? <laughs> I'm not sure I can compete with vampires, but I did read a fantastic historical fiction book about a strong female character. Uh, it's called My Name is Mary Sutter. It's by Robin Oliveira. And if you want to put a hold on it at the library, you better hurry because it looks like it's going to be very popular. Um, the, the best historical fiction I've ever read is the kind that just brings me right into the time period and takes me away. And this is one of those kind of books. Uh, Mary Sutter is working as a midwife with her mother in New York as the book opens. And then she's performing a very, very... Uh, I don't want to say gory, but I will say graphic cesarean section when she suddenly realizes she would very much like to be a surgeon. And so she decides that's what she's going to do. This is the Civil War period. She takes off. She goes to Washington, D.C., where the hospitals are all full of wounded soldiers. And she applies at every single hospital in the city to be under a doctor, to work under a doctor and learn how to be a surgeon and none of them will take her because she's a woman. So finally she gets to the very last hospital, it's got a terrible reputation, the doctor is grouchy and awful and he says, no way but I do need a charwoman. So she takes the job as charwoman uh, and then eventually she becomes a surgeon when she has to start cutting off people's legs and arms because there's nobody else to do it. So, um, but the author brings the sounds and the smells and the awfulness of war to life, but also the personalities of the doctor and of Mary Sutter especially really ring true, and you just are never going to forget this book. And speaking of impossible conditions, the other book I read, like Misha, is totally different. Uh, it's called Deep Shadow by Randy Wayne White. Say that fast six times. This thriller plays on claustrophobia, which is one of my personal problems or uh, phobias. And so I loved it because it helped me work through some of my demons. But imagine diving in a remote mountain lake for a treasure that you've always wanted. And you just know it's there. It's been buried for eons since World War II. Okay, maybe not eons, but a long time. And just as you spot the treasure underwater, the edge of the cliff underwater crumbles. 
and your buddies are trapped underneath. And when you surface to go get help, the buddy you left on shore with your truck is bloodied and sitting under somebody else's gun. And the situation is just impossible. But that's only uh, the beginning. That's just chapter one. That's just the beginning of the problems. The thing that I loved about this book was that it reminded me of Sea Hunt. I don't know, only, only older... Yeah, the TV show Sea Hunt. Kind of a combination of Clive Cussler adventure and Sea Hunt, where you're always running out of air, you're always underwater, and something is always awful happening. This, is this a part of a series? It's a part it? of a series. It's number 17, but it's the only one I've read. Okay. And I didn't have any trouble reading it. The uh, character's name is Doc Ford. Oh, yeah, but as yeah. you can see, it's the character isn't what got me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us for Coffee Break. This was uh, Biblio Cafe, brought to you by the Seattle Public Library. And we'll see you next time. This podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening. Mm